in the name of Amun-Ra, a punishment worse than death, a curse lasting longer than the temple of the gods. It's the mummy. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of the monster podcasting airwaves. Monsters big and small, Alex. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing the mummy, of course. And here today, I am blessed to be in the presence of the laughing himself to death maniac, Alex. <laughs> it's oddly fitting. And then I'm joined by the scrap of toilet paper dangling off a mummy, Eric. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh, I will take that description, Alex, um, and say I will be your scrap of toilet paper uh, for this episode. I appreciate it. For what it's worth, you're long-lasting. Oh, good. Uh, hopefully hopefully soft and pliable. Is that the word? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Soft and pliable. <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, Alex. Hey, before... Uh, we begin. I was talking with uh, our bargain base mite and and good friend uh, Michael um, before we started, and he was had this interesting idea of a question that we could talk about at the beginning of this episode. Oh, really? And it was if Godzilla was voiced by an actor? Oh my god! Who would you choose? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any ideas? Oh, I've got one. Oh, you do? Yeah, definitely. What you got? It's got to be Keith David. Keith David. Who's that? <laughs> You've heard his voice just about everywhere. Let me let me find his IMDb and see if I can find something, a reference point for you. Um, but he has got a very memorable voice. He does a lot of voice acting. Let's see. Oh, huh. duh. He's, he's uh, Childs in The Thing. Oh. Um, He's he's got like a really deep voice. He voices characters, and I'm trying to think of something animated you may have seen uh, where you'd be like, "Oh, that character." But uh, I'm blanking right now. But man, that man, he is a workaholic. He's in everything. Really? Yeah, he really is. Wow. Um, but he just does voices for a lot of stuff. So Michael Hamilton, by the way, said uh, he would have. Charles Dance from from Game of Thrones, not King of the Monsters. Charles Dance uh, be Godzilla's voice, and specifically, we're talking about um, the Kaiju Ramen cover that Matt Frank just did for the Volume One collection. Did you see this, Alex? Oh no, I haven't seen the cover yet. I saw oh. I saw like a, a tease for it that Matt Frank dropped, and I pieced together that it was for them. You have oh man! Hang on, I'm I'm pulling you it up right now. This up right now, it is awesome. It's awesome. It's on there. Uh, oh yeah, wow! It's so oh good. wow! It is awesome. Yeah, yeah. What a co- it's so so great. It's got the singular <laughs> point Godzilla eating a bowl of ramen with just a devilish look on his face. But then, if you look closely at at the bowl of of ramen, Alex, there's so many like I would almost call them Easter eggs yes. in that bowl. Oh, I see. Um, 
It's such a cool Mothra, piece. Like, I, I, I'm gonna have to back this thing on on Kickstarter, <laughs> uh, just because this art is awesome, and we've both contributed to it. So we should probably do that. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. This is awesome. Holy I know. cow! I this know. cover is so good. I, it blew me away. Like I, I actually I knew he was having Matt Frank do the cover, but um, I was also I was cautiously optimistic about it. But whenever it came out, I was blown away. I was like, this is fantastic. But anyway, he says, Charles Dance. You know who this is, Alex? It's the the Lannister father. Yes, yes. Um, from Game of Thrones. And he says that one would be for that Godzilla. But then, <laughs> this made me laugh out loud. He would uh, pick Dwayne Johnson for legendary Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Dwayne Johnson, really? We know oh, you wouldn't watch it if he was in it. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was thinking about this, and, and I think Michael's onto something by choosing different voices for different eras and different movies. Oh yeah. But but the one that I keep coming back to, I don't know why, but I think Showa era Godzilla, and I think John Goodman. <laughs> I don't oh, know why. Okay. Okay. Uh, like Son of Godzilla. Godzilla or All Monsters Attack Godzilla um, or Ebra, just John Goodman. I think John Goodman would make a great Godzilla voice. Definitely not opposed to that. It's not that's not a bad idea. Not not, uh, 1954 Godzilla or Godzilla Raids Again. But as we get into later Showa era Godzilla films, I like John Goodman. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. Except for Keith David is timeless. So he, vo- he voices all my Godzillas. Oh, yeah. No, I'm looking I'm looking Keith David up here. I, I, okay. I know who Keith David is. Yeah, that works. Think that, about that his work. Yeah. I mean, you got to listen to his voice and you're like, yeah, that guy. He, he yeah. belongs in every piece of uh, voice acting ever. And he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. No, good choices. Cool. All right, man. Um, let's get into the mummy then, shall we? John Goodman. Yeah, I'm ready. John Goodman. I mean, I think it's a good pick. I like John Goodman's voice. He's got a great voice. He's got a great voice. He's got a great voice. And I, I think there's enough like edge to it and humor to it potentially that would work for some of those sillier Showa era entries. I agree. That's what. That's my thought. All right, the mummy. Ready, Alex? I'm ready. All right. After being the cinematographer on Dracula, Carl Freund takes the reins as the main director in The Mummy. And we can see the clear influence of the first two Universal Monsters films in this one. And that's where we'll start today. Which film do you think had a bigger influence on The Mummy, Mm. Alex? Dracula or Frankenstein? I think... The movie feels like it has more in common with Dracula than Frankenstein, for sure. Like, we we, we do have a coherent monster here. Uh, a fun opening, followed up by a monster trying to lure a woman over his way for the rest of the film. So, you know, those, those little elements right there really line up with Dracula's story, <laughs> really. And eventually he's defeated in a relatively unsatisfying way, just like Dracula. But I like that at this point, like Universal is just allergic to coherent and at least reasonably paced endings. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just it, it, it's par for the course at this point. 
Um, now, the cool thing about the film, though, is that it has some really great ideas. You know, a resurrected mummy trying to find his reincarnated love. And also an interesting question about sacrifice at the end of the film. Um, if you sacrifice for someone else, is it really their duty to do it for you? But I don't <laughs> really feel like a lot of it is executed well. And honestly, the mummy as a monster didn't really captivate or horrify me at all. Like mm. the previous two monsters did. Now, despite this one having uh, defining character moments and lots of speaking roles, I feel like he was lesser than the last uh, two we've seen. So maybe his, his heightened presence actually made him less intimidating in your eyes. Maybe. I just never felt he was intimidating except for one really cool shot I'll probably talk about later. Actually, it was like used three times, but yeah. Yeah, there are a couple times. Yeah, there are a couple times uh, for sure. I To go back to the question that we started with, I think we see a good bit of both Dracula and Frankenstein in this film. And while it has its problems and never reaches the horror of Dracula or the tragedy of Frankenstein, it manages to be something unique in vision and scope and story. But before praising what the film does well, I do want to criticize the dated elements of this film. I just think there's, this is a film, it hasn't aged as well as the first two. There's a couple obvious uses of blackface in parts. There's cultural appropriation in others. There's the subjugation of minority actors to roles of servitude and subjugation. Um, These are obvious offenses that shouldn't be brushed off without some sort of criticism. And I actually think they hurt the film and honestly made me cringe at a couple of parts. Um, So in addition to just being wrong, I just don't think those scenes hold up. Like the beginning of the flashback in particular (laughs) had me frustrated one moment before laughing the next. I just thought (laughs) it was kind of ridiculous um, how Imhotep's father played the pharaoh i mean he just looked absolutely ridiculous now what did work in that flashback scene was the burial scene um but you know that entire flashback sequence could have been probably removed without losing the primary story i understand i think it was trying to build some sympathy for imhotep's character but at the same time I don't know how much it actually added because of the dated elements. A quick shout out though, Alex, to an actor we have seen before, Noble Johnson. I gave a can't believe that acting award to him and King Kong for playing the Nubian here in The Mummy. Just a character that needed to be developed more to make an impact because ultimately he betrays um, in order to, he kind of becomes subjugated by the mummy um, and, and betrays everyone. He needed for that to have an impact, he needed to be developed more. But I think Noble Johnson makes the character stand out despite that limited role in screen yep. time. But what did you think about that flashback scene I mentioned? Was it necessary? Did it build sympathy um, that we've mentioned? Yeah. So flashbacks are always a difficult thing to handle in films. You and me have joked about <laughs> the reliance on flashbacks, in particular in anime. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and just. Uh, actually, Japanese films in general, sometimes uh, I have a weird reliance on flashbacks. Not that American films don't have it as well. But uh, they're so flashbacks are really the only thing that made me understand the grief and sacrifice of the mummy. Like, I agree, we didn't need all of it. Um, but I was glad to see what uh, Imhotep really went through and what he tried to do 
when he's pursuing and trying to resurrect the person that he loves. Um, and the only reason the flashback really works for me is because of how the ending plays out. Mm. I really like that even in the spirit of, uh, um, of what's her name? What, what does she become? What's this entity? <laughs> I can't. Uh, Ar- S and Anna. There we go. Like yeah. So even, even when she like the, the spirit of that kind of semi takes over, uh, it's not quite interested in Imhotep quite as much as he is her. Um, and she outright refuses to make the sacrifice that he did in order to be with him. She's like, nah, I'm not really about that pain and anguish stuff that you're talking a about. Bit, a bit of an age gap there too, Alex. <laughs> bit of an age gap as well. <laughs> um, and I found that, that, that dynamic pretty interesting because you almost feel like, you know, this resurrected old lover might be interested in Emotep. And she's like, Hey, you know what? I'm kind of, kind of over it. <laughs> <laughs> let's be friends um mm-hmm. another interesting thing is that well Imhotep, he really perceived his whole ordeal to be a sacrifice but honestly it's not quite he got into the situation trying to resurrect her and got caught <laughs> and <laughs> condemned it wasn't quite a sacrifice as much as you just didn't get away with the crime mm-hmm. um and that being said I, I really do actually like how that stuff plays out and so how some of the other things play out. Like, I'm not a huge fan of this, but I, th- I thought it was fun for what it was. Like, the mystical mm-hmm. killings that he does. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, inter- they're interesting-ish, you know, at yeah. the very least. Um, I like the first one more than yeah. I did the second attempt. But at the end of the day, though, I will say the big thing lacking here, well, none of these movies are scaring me. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because of their, their, the time they were made in, I don't feel any of that terror, uh, in this film. Um, mm-hmm. not like I did for Dracula as he closes in on somebody or, um, how Franken how Frankenstein was when he's like sneaking in places mm-hmm. and killing people and all this stuff. Like, you know, my interest just wasn't there, uh, mm-hmm. And a mummy killing somebody from long distance is pretty uninteresting. Yeah, I, I, I sympathize with that point. I think one of the things that this film is trying to go for, I think it succeeds somewhat, and I think we see that in those long distance mystical killings, is the fact that the specter of Imhotep reigns over these characters like they can't quite escape the curse that has been brought upon them and we see that and i think that's the reason we get those Mm. cuts to that face right yes um which are awesome and they are you know specifically the one and this is i mean it it was used in dracula as well as i mentioned carl freund the cinematographer there in dracula who we we pointed out in that episode um he is back as the director here and you get those those shots that have uh, the lights in the eyes, yeah. Uh, where they actually use mini flashlights to give those like reflections off of the eyes, um, which is really cool. And we see that here as well. And I think that helps bring that element um, to the film, um, which is cool. But yeah. I think this film, honestly, it doesn't reach the heights that Frankenstein did last week. But I feel like it's almost a cinematic. Um, even while its plot feels more like Dracula, which you mentioned at the top of the show. The movement of the, of the camera, though, here, the close-ups of Imhotep, the fade-ins and the fade-outs, 
they all create that dreamlike haunted tone that the film needs to work on any level. And there's a little bit more music here as well that there hasn't been in some of the others. It's limited, but it does highlight the dramatic moments and, and also the performances that they work for me um, for the most part. To me though, that cold open, the first 10 minutes before the movie proper starts is pretty magical. We've had great opens like this on the show before, Alex, and this is up there with them. I love that close-up of Imhotep as it comes to life and the yeah. arms slowly start to move. It's a startling moment that is still creepy. And on top of that, this opening is crucial for the development of the rest of the film, even though we skip ahead about 10 years after that scene. So what did you think of those opening moments? Did they get you into this? <laughs> yeah, I... I'm with you and thinking that this is the highlight of the film. Another connection to Dracula. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's got that strong start. Um, and the tone, uh, the tone and the dread of opening the box, you know, what is this curse? What is it? And then the mystery of what happens. You know, they open the box and then nothing really quite happens for a few seconds. And then, you know, things start to unwind. Um, all these things are very intriguing. I really did find myself wondering what is going to happen next. And I was surprised at some of the results of what happened. Unfortunately, I didn't feel like this tone or that feeling of what is going to happen carried through the rest of the film. Um, I do feel like it desperately needed that. Uh, There's nothing less intimidating to me than a mummy in a fez. Mm. Um, (laughs) Luckily, though, it did have great performances. You know, I, I felt like everyone did a pretty great job. I, no, no one's overacting, really. I, I'm pretty, well, one person's overacting at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but overall, the performances are pretty great. And I, I, felt, I, I found the characters to be satisfying, mm-hmm. uh, while not standouts like the previous two um, yeah. films. Now, er, everyone felt well-defined. So, you know, I, I think... I think I really liked it, but what about you? Like, is, is there anything that you liked or didn't like? <laughs> well, I figured you were going to mention your boy, uh, Edward, Edward Van Sloan. Oh, Alex. don't worry. He might have a space <laughs> reserved reserve 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 for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He wins all the awards <laughs> is what you're saying, Alex. He may win one or four. <laughs> <laughs> he may win one or four. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no so yeah i i think i am probably rating this a bit higher than you alex because on top of the cinematic qualities that i mentioned i do think we have some interesting characters and ideas being explored here the story of Imhotep is essentially the story of a disillusioned heretic who chose the world and his love over the commitment to his gods and his ancestors He lost everything because of that love and suffered the consequences. And now, driven by that suffering, he seeks to recreate that which has been lost. You also have the tragic figure of Dr. Joseph Wimple, you know, the father of Frank, who denounces multiple times throughout the film any sort of attempt to break away from the institutional requirements in the museum, but then ultimately dies because he's unwilling to adapt to the supernatural elements that Dr. Mullen warns him about. And then we have the son, Frank, who is reluctant himself, but ultimately does take the medallion that Dr. Muller provides him with for protection. And we assume that saves him. 
he's corrected the mistakes that his father refused to to partake in, hmm. right? And then I know there are some definite conveniences in the plot line, and I know the romance between Frank and Helen might feel a bit rushed. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just a, a bit. bit. Uh, but the bigger ideas here I find pretty fascinating. Uh, and again, it doesn't reach what I would say we saw in Dracula or Frankenstein. But I do think there's there's some interesting premises here. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in where other mummy films might go, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, things are, you know, we got a lot of crossovers. And we got a lot of sequels coming up. I cannot wait to see how a lot of these things play out. Because, you know, the last three films feel pretty finite. So mm. it's going to be I just, interesting. I was just wondering when Brendan Fraser was going to show up, and I was disappointed when he never did. Yep, me too. Me uh-huh. too. And well, <laughs> I, I'll be disappointed in the sequel when the, if uh, The Rock doesn't show up as a half-man, mm. half-scorpion. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> The Rock is busy playing Godzilla's voice um, <laughs> in the new Legendary movie, so uh, we'll have to might, wait for that one. Might be it. This week on MVM Plus over on patreon.com forward slash MVM pod, we are covering our top five 2021 movies, our top five 2021 movies we still want to see, and our top five movies we want to see in 2022. One of the questions you got to ask, Alex, with our top five movies of 2021 mm. is there was a little movie that came out that some of our audience may have seen called Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. Did it make our top five list? Um, Cause we both definitely did see that movie. I saw, I saw that movie, right? Alex? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> you saw it. You saw it. And I think it might be one of our favorite movie experiences probably. Yeah. But uh, did it sure. make the list? Does it make our top five? Ooh, though? I don't know. I Listen don't in, know. find out. Um, but you know who I do want to hear from Alex uh, I want to hear their experience with the mummy. I want to hear from the Gwen. All right, Gwen. This is a movie called The Mummy, and this is going to be a scene where that so some people have found a mummy and they just open a box that has a curse. And now we're going to see what happens. Okay. All right. So you open the box. Look, there's the mummy. You've seen mummies before, right? He's reading something off the paper. Is that the mummy? Yeah, that's the mummy. Oh. What? Is he waking up? Mommy, mm-hmm. mommy. Wait, why don't you stay with me? He's moving. He's moving. He's alive. He, yeah, he must be alive. He's alive. What? The curse woke him up. He doesn't know that he's alive right behind him. What's going to happen? Is that his hand? (laughs) Look, he's leaving. He took the paper. (gasps) Why is he (laughs) using? That's actually the guy that he scared. The guy that he scared went crazy. What is he? What is he? Oh, that guy was scared and he's going crazy and he's laughing. Now, what did you think about the mummy? It was scary. It was scary? Now, what did you think about how he looked? Mommy, 
Um, um, but why was the, why did we didn't have to see his face when he was leaving? You didn't get to see his face when he was leaving? Yeah. Yeah, it just, it. Why did he take um, the paper? Oh, I bet it's got something special on it that he needs. <gasps> um, what do you think? Yeah, I'll watch the rest of it. You want to watch the rest of it? Okay, well, maybe we will. Uh, not tonight, though. But maybe we can watch it some other time. Hey, that's the Gwen All right. Way to go, Gwen. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right, welcome back. And thank you, Gwen, for providing us a Gwen dar 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 Valuable insights. <laughs> Always valuable insights from our, I guess, weather instruments, Alex. We've got the theometer, Gwendar, and the oh, Levioscope. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. I, I changed the Levioscope from Levioscope because my wife said it sounded too much like, like, um, like, like a sea medic- monster, like a Leviathan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we've got the theometer, Gwendar, and Levascope now uh, to help us really bring the insight you all are looking for into these reviews. Yeah. You you want in-depth. Well, we've me and got, Eric know we can't do it, so yeah. we leave it to our kids. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, we're basically just peddling them for money at this point. You know, oh, yeah, we're, we're like absolutely. those YouTube stars. That we're like are, Britney Spears' dad at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we are despicable. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's, it is basically Ryan's toy review, but for monster movies, Alex. That's what I think. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into our awards then. Compelling character award. Who'd you have? <laughs> Uh, I gotta give it to Zita Jo Johan. Yeah. <laughs> Johan. Um, I think that this character is a, uh, uh, or sorry, sorry, she Helen. plays Helen yeah. Grosvenor. Yeah. Um, I think that this character is actually pretty interesting, and I think it's actually one of our better. Uh, I, I don't gotta say better because I think our last female character was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I do think that she's she's one of our first leading. I feel like almost. Uh, female characters and i think she really she nails plays a it. bigger role yeah she does play sure. a bigger role and i think she does a really good job you know there are tendencies uh, overacting um but i think overall she really nails it she nails the not wanting to sacrifice herself <laughs> elements of it and so i think that she's actually got some pretty interesting depth to her character and i was just i was you know pleased to see this because honestly i had no idea where the story was going to go in terms of, you know, cause my only reference point for the mummy is the Brendan Fraser one. Mm. So to see mm-hmm. it take such a different turn was refreshing. Even if I don't think it was all executed as well. And I think that she just did a great job. Wait, you mean the Brendan Fraser one? Is not like this one? Alex? I know. Right. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, Sir Joseph Wemple, who I meant it, who I mentioned a few minutes ago. I think he's just a tragic character. Um, he wants to do the right thing. He has trouble believing in any sort of a supernatural element here um, that he's warned against. And I, there's something tragic about his entire arc. I didn't expect him to to bite it. <laughs> I, yeah. I really didn't. Like we haven't seen that, right? We, we've actually talked about how these films so far haven't taken those risks. We, we, you can't say that with the mummy, 
right? The mummy mm. has fatalities um, and it has consequences. I don't know if Frank's reaction to his father's death is oh, quite yeah. as uh, is quite as realistic as, as I might want it. He's more concerned with how Helen is viewing him than the fact that his father has, has died. But, yes, uh, yes, he is. It's funny. He's got his um, priorities. But I do, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do think uh, Sir Joseph Wimple is a compelling character. I just realized, Eric, that I stole yours in our notes and I had no it's idea. It's all good. I had no idea. We both actually had picked Helen and that was a nice mm-hmm. pivot of you to not just double down. And, you know, I'm just going to commend you on your quick feet. Uh, it is okay. It, well, I, there were a couple of human characters that I thought were interesting. So it was a pretty easy pivot. Oh, I commend you on your effort, sir. What about your most memorable line award? Well, here I will get a Helen line in. And I just think this is a classic line. Um, like just a classic Hollywood quip, right? And it's Helen to Frank in one of their early flirting scenes. And she says, do you have to open graves to find girls to fall in love with? Uh, mm. Which is just sick. Part. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I had a Helen line as well. She says, mm. save me from that mummy. It's dead. <laughs> uh, yep. That would be a good reason to save you from it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what about your? Well, I don't even have to ask this. I no. don't think. But what about your? Can't believe the acting award. You know, it's time. It's the, it's that time, that time of MVM where I've got to give Edward Van Sloan EVS baby. EVS. <laughs> yeah, I give EVS. You know his dues. You know he's he's universal. <laughs> he, <laughs> I, I won't say it. All right, he's he's Universal's Daniel Day Lewis, and he's incredible, right? So, I, I think he he's in the movie for just a little bit, but he's awesome. You know, he's like this guy that knows about the occult again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing the same character again. That's totally fine, and I just think he does a great job of bringing that you know that ominous like, do not touch this, don't do it, don't do it. And he's, you know, you get, he's like uh, mentally slapping the hand away of these two men who just can't help themselves because they have to catalog all this stuff. And, you know, they have every right to be excited. But I think Edward Van Sloan really does a great job of selling the mystery of that first 10 minutes that we like so much. Mm-hmm. And it, his role as Dr. Muller is great. I wish he was in it more, but his character is probably dead by the time the next 10 years go by. <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> what about um, you? I've got to give it to Boris Karloff, um, who, of course, plays the mummy uh, again. I mentioned to you, Alex, <laughs> just a quick little fact about Boris Karloff that I didn't know because I'm pretty ignorant. I'm learning about these things as as they happen. Boris Karloff is the narrator of the Grinch movie and the Grinch. So I thought it was interesting, but... I also think this performance here is awesome. I, I, I agree with you in that I don't think the character is incredibly intimidating when he's in dialogue with the other characters. But I do think the way that Jack Pierce, who returned from last week's makeup design with Frankenstein, Jack Pierce does the makeup design here. Those close-ups of Imhotep's face are fantastic. And they They do bring that mystical element that I want to see. And Boris Karloff, while 
not having to do as much here. Um, I think he's, 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 he has a pretty subdued performance. He has mm-hmm. to sell his character, and, and I think he does. So I've got to give it to Boris Karloff. Yeah, and that, I mean, that leads straight to my, oh, that's a good shot award. And that's nice. the face of Imhotep. Mm. When we get those zoom-ins after he does a curse or he's like killing somebody, whatever he's got to do, those close-ups of him are awesome. Like Those are like legendary shots. And oh, yeah. those are they're just so cool. And they are the few moments in the film after the first 10 that really make him feel intimidating um, yeah. and monstrous. And so I got to give those shots some props. What about you? Yeah, for sure. Um, those are fantastic choices. I'm going to go with, there's a shot where um, it's a dolly shot. Actually, we talked about how there was more camera movement last week in Frankenstein than there was in Dracula. There's uh-huh. even more camera movement here. Well, at least there's some unique camera movements here. And there's this dolly shot that moves from behind Imhotep to above him and then into his vision pool. I like that was really well done um, and required some pretty, I would say, cutting edge cinematography for that time uh, to get done. So I really like that dolly shot. And, and there were a couple of, of good shots like that in, in this film. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The, the, once again, I'm pretty satisfied with the camera work. I actually do think that maybe uh, it was more interesting a little bit in Frankenstein, mostly because of that. I always go back to that, that shot of Kim carrying the girl through the city, <sighs> yeah. the town. It's so yeah. good. Like That's oh, such I a agree. long shot. It's just yeah. so impressive. But yes, we are still, and I think probably in an upward trajectory of yeah. camera work right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. All right. So well, now we have our unique awards, Alex. Yes. So I'll give my award first. Um, I'm going to give the worst Pharaoh cosplay award out to James Crane. Um, just... <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> he is Imhotep's father in the flashback scene. And he just, he looks like he uh, has just walked out of a Halloween party um, at, at, <laughs> at farmhouse fraternity on university of Kentucky's campus. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That's exactly what he looks like. It's like, oh exactly man, that's what he looks like. great. <laughs> oh wow. All right. What about you though? You, gonna, you have any unique awards this week? Yeah, you know all these people are in the desert, so I'm gonna give mine. This is the thirst, the thirstiest actor award, and this is a this is a go to Frank for, to Frank Wimple for thirst. Sorry, thirstiest character award uh, because he doesn't care about his dad dying. He leverages that bad boy to get the woman that he oh, loves. Helen, no. good for you, Frank, for having your priorities straight. Yeah, there you go, Frank. Nice, nice work. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to our final thoughts and tiered rating, Alex. Uh, As a reminder, we've got our Godzilla, Gamera, and Gabra tiers. What are your final thoughts on The Mummy, and where does this fall for you? Yeah, so this is the weakest of the three for me, uh, definitely. Um, I was a lot less captivated. It was was hard holding my attention uh, for this movie a little bit, but... It does have a lot of merits, and there's a lot to like here. There's some interesting ideas, um, and I'm glad I saw it. Like, I, I, even though it's not my favorite, I'm still I still enjoy it. I could recommend it to a few people, um, and it's just uh, I think it's just 
an interesting starting point for the mummy. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It, this is a definite Gamera tier. Um, yeah. It's not going to Godzilla for sure, and it's definitely not a Gabra. Yeah. So I, I got to get put it square in the center of Gamera. Um, uh, you know, it, it's a solid film, but it didn't quite captivate me like the other two. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think. Uh, yeah, it's not a Gabra film. You, you, there's too much in here to make it uh, a lower tier film. But with that said, it doesn't reach the heights, as I already said, of the, of the first two that we've watched. I do think the characters are compelling. I think the storyline um, has a lot to work with. I think there's some really interesting ideas here that probably could have been explored further or maybe more effectively, mm-hmm. but I, I do like uh, some of the elements that we get. I do think you're right in the fact that it's not quite as haunting as it could be, right? They, they want to create a sense of that specter, right? Of this curse of anything can happen to you at any moment because uh, Imhotep sees all or can see all. And we don't quite get that despite those close-ups and despite his pool, um, we don't quite get that sense of foreboding that the film wants to portray, in my opinion. Um, mm. I do think it, it lays the foundation for the mummy moving forward. I'll be curious to see if if what the mummy does um, looking ahead. But I, I agree with you. This is a gamma tier film. Mm. I'm glad we're right there with each other on this one. Uh, I didn't know what you would think of it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't think you would dislike it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I could see Eric really digging this one. But oh, yeah. I, but you liked Frankenstein so much, yeah. That uh, I didn't know for sure if this would be below or above Dracula for you. Yeah, it's not far below Dracula. It's not um, yeah. really. Yeah, it's not far below Dracula. Hardly at all, really. Uh, I agree. I just think Dracula is a bit more iconic. <laughs> Bella Lugosi's performance is a standout in that one uh, that I, I think surpasses. Even though I gave the Camp Lee the acting award to Bo- Boris Karloff, um, I think the Bella Lugosi Dracula performance is more iconic and uh, steals the show even more. So uh, that's what that's probably what elevates that one. And there's actually just some pretty creepy moments in Dracula. Yeah, Reinfeld. Um, or Renfield. Yeah, Renfield. Um who also is fantastic in that film. So, yeah, that this one falls below Dracula, but not by a ton. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Um, next week, we've got The Invisible Man, uh, which I'm looking forward to, Alex. I've actually started reading the source material for The Invisible Man, which I don't expect to do <laughs> all the time. <laughs> But it's not. It wasn't super long. It's H.G. Wells, you know, who did yes. War of the Worlds um, and the Time Machine. He did The Invisible Man. I, I'm I'm really liking it so far. The writing style is really well done. I there's feel actually kind of there's some like humor I've read in part it. of it. Yeah, there's there's some humor in it actually. So it'll be interesting interesting to see uh, if that humor is brought into the film at all. At least I find some of these situations funny that the invisible man is in. Um, So we'll see if there's some humor brought into this film next week, but do you have a rhyme prepared for us? 
Uh, I don't have it prepared, but <laughs> I can definitely make it happen. All right. Um, so, ooh, next week we've got an invisible man. After this movie, will we be stands or will we be wanting to alter our universal plans? Oh, <laughs> I like that scramble in the middle of the yeah, rhyme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there was a moment of panic of like being too basic, and I was like, I gotta do something other than fan. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's all good. I mine, mine are always pretty basic, Alex. At this point, will the Invisible Man pan? Or will it be greater than the G-Man? Yeah, that's pretty bad, too. <laughs> <laughs> and you prepared that one. Okay. I, All right. Well, I, I, I kind of prepared it, and then I realized that G-Man <laughs> just is, is a, it doesn't really rhyme with man because it's just man. <laughs> I think it works, Eric. I'll let it. Uh, I'll let it happen. Yeah, we'll we'll just pretend that didn't happen and move into our closing. As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. We want to hear from you. Email us at mvmpod at gmail.com or go to mvmpod.com to leave us your feedback on the Mummy. Uh, do you agree with us that this is a gamma gamma tier film? Uh, do you think that? My rhymes are just that great. You can send us your thoughts and we will read them on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can also become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platform always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cormett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Senior Honda, Jude the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, don't put the soul of your girlfriend into the body of your ex. And try <laughs> to stay alive. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. We're like Britney Spears' dad at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, we are despicable. <laughs> <laughs>